Hey there, guys and gals. Welcome to episode number 36 of the A1 Auto Body Podcast with your host, Nick Sands. Today, I am speaking with my buddy Phil, also known as The Heavy Wrench on Instagram, YouTube, etc. Um, he is a heavy construction equipment mechanic and tech. Awesome dude. Super kind, super humble. Um, we talk a lot about you know what it's like getting into that world and what it's like working on, you know, the biggest machines possible. I hope you guys enjoy the show and uh, do me a favor if you can, leave me a review and let me know what you think. Thanks guys. Let's get into it. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the A1 Auto Body Podcast with your host, Nick Sands. Today I have on a very special guest. He goes by the Heavy Wrench on Instagram and on YouTube and in all places that you can find content online. Um, his name is Phil Ballard, and he is the Heavy Wrench. How are you doing, Phil? Excellent. How are you tonight? I'm doing awesome. It's a really <laughs> nice night out right now, and um, you know I'm down here in the basement talking with you. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Same here. Kids um, are all in so, bed. We're good to go. <laughs> oh, isn't isn't it? Uh, getting them ready is always a challenge, but then as soon as they get in bed, they go. They're like out like lights. It's crazy. It's awesome. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the last time I fell asleep as fast. Like by the time I'm out, uh, by the time I've tucked my son in and I'm like going out the door, he's already unconscious. <laughs> it's a, it's a switch. It's awesome. <laughs> um, so why don't you just start off by telling everybody what it is you do? All right. Um, I am a construction equipment uh, technician mechanic. Um, I really don't specify or differentiate between mechanic or technician some people do some people don't i really don't care about the label but i work on construction equipment anything as small as a um john deere gator slash skid steer um small tractors up to mining equipment and uh, anything in between excavators bulldozers backhoes trenchers um Paving equipment, milling equipment. Uh, anything that anything that's not a, that's not boring, right? Yeah, anything <laughs> that's interesting or makes you want to pull your hair out. I guess. <laughs> anything that's not a boring old car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 basically anything but automotive. I actually have a brother that's an automotive tech. Um, oh geez, if you guys ever combine your powers, there's going to be nothing that can stop you. It's it's pretty wild. He worked at a dealership um, for a Ford dealership and. I went the construction route. Um, he's actually my little brother, but um, <laughs> yeah, he's not much littler than I am. So, <laughs> but but yeah, we both are we both are mechanics or technicians or whatever you want to call us, and uh, we each have our own zone. That's awesome. Did you? But, so, how did you get into work working on this kind of stuff? Oh, that's a, this is a great story. I was in high school. Um, and I was actually taking an automotive auto shop class, which was at, through our high school. Um, and by your senior year, you could be in the two hour block for a second time. And we'd be doing fixing whatever it was. Uh, some teachers would bring their vehicles in, customers would bring their vehicles into our shop. So it was kind of like a mock real shop. And uh, it wasn't my passion. I, I can do it, I can fix a vehicle, whatever not a big deal, but I really liked working on the ag equipment. Um, 
I grew up on a small family farm. We have cattle and some cash crop property. And I liked working on the tractors mostly. But what really did it was I started looking around and went to a couple ag dealers and I asked them, what is your highest paid person in your whole shop? And they told me. And then I started looking at construction equipment because I got through a counselor or somewhere, I got hooked up with it. And actually the um, Caterpillar dealership was offering sponsorships. And I started looking at construction equipment and I asked the same thing. What's the highest paid guy? And it was like, it was over $10 an hour difference. And really? Yeah. So, and it's not dogging on the ag industry at all because that's a phenomenal industry and I'm, I'm thinking it's getting closer, but there is a pay gap between construction and ag. Um, for sure, I think, as technicians go, if you look around. So I, I picked the construction route because there is a little bit more, uh, I've seen there's more potential there for me to grow and, and go places. So I started working at the Caterpillar, Caterpillar dealership and uh, I went to, they actually sponsored me to go to college, and I went to Ferris State University in Big Rapids, Michigan, and got my associate's degree in heavy equipment technology, which, it was a great school. Um, at that time, we had, it was, it was a really good school, and we had great teachers. I'm sure it's still just as stellar as it was back then. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got started, and I went back, and that was like '02, and then the economy here in Michigan—I don't know what it was like around you guys, but or anywhere else in the world—but we uh, we were kind of on a downturn, and I actually ended up getting laid off from there, and uh, then I went to a truck shop, and then I ended up back at a construction equipment dealership, working on. Um, John Deere and Komatsu and JCB and everything else under the sun. So when you, so you went from working on, let's actually, let's just go right back to the beginning. So your family yep. owns a farm with cattle um, yep. and land. What was it like growing up around those kind of machines? Were you always kind of fascinated with them or is this something that grew on you later on in life? It, always fascinated with tractors. Um, where I grew up was, it was kind of funny because I kind of, my mom always told me, that's how you learned your colors is by the tractors, you know, the, <laughs> the one neighbor had, you know, one neighbor had internationals, which are red and Alice Chalmers that were orange and John Deere's that were green and Ford's that were blue. And you knew what neighbor was driving by by what color of tractor it was. Um, then, you know, you'd always see everybody. Uh, so it was kind of a, kind of a funny thing but they've always fascinated me and and the farm equipment has always been so interesting to me as as far as from a little kid right on up I still I still see a picture of a tractor and have to stop and look at it I can't but, not look at a farm tractor you know tractors are there's something about tractors that really draws you in like the just the way that they look the um like especially the older tractors with like the big heavy ends in the front with like the smaller wheels, way bigger wheels in the oh, yeah. back. There's something very uh, like quintessentially American farmer about it. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty wild. It's it's a lot of it's there's it's pretty interesting. And they run um, it forever. They they were built to last, you know, like I mean that's the that's the crazy part is um you know, technology has come so far that we've actually you know, we've quieted down the diesel engine so much over the years and we've improved so much that we've built the tolerances so tight that there's really not much room for error anymore. So any little amount of error causes catastrophic stuff to happen. <laughs> I always <laughs> love that ter- I always love that term catastrophic failure. <laughs> <laughs> I I sometimes dread it. But <laughs> but at least you know what the problem is. I was uh the other day I I bought a I bought an escape. I don't know if you saw on my Facebook or on my Instagram, yeah. but I bought an escape and um you know the wheel bearing it needed a rear wheel bearing. So I'm like, "Well, can I drive this thing home?" So I'm looking online and you know, it's talking and then like every third sentence it's like, you know, catastrophic failure, catastrophic <laughs> failure. I'm like, "Oh man, that just sounds so bad." You know? <laughs> I got it home. <laughs> Catastrophic failure equals more parts. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. More parts, more labor. That's more all. expensive. Like the more <laughs> catastrophic, the more money it's going to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. And we see our, our fair share of that in the construction industry. You know, nothing's worse. I don't think there's any failure that's more intimidating than a hydraulic system failure on an excavator when you have an actual excavator fail hydraulically and put metal everywhere in the system getting that back clean so it doesn't happen again immediately when you fire it back up i think is the toughest i think it's the toughest job to do that sounds like it would be because you must have i mean any first of all hydraulic failure in any is one of like I don't really understand hydraulics, and I'm not gonna lie; they like scare the crap out of me. I don't know. They, I um, like I have, I don't know how dangerous they really are. I guess, but I just have this terrible vision of like one of those lines blowing and just shooting high-pressured oil through my body. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely a danger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or just like the thought of, you know, it's only gonna take a fraction of a second if one of these lines blows. So there's, you know. 2000 pound dump body to fall on me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing is like, like with the dump bodies that you work on, um, them generally have a gear pump on them and they're very resilient. Gear pumps are just two gears that mesh together. Um, and they're pretty resilient to contaminants, let's say. So they're pretty, they're like a pretty good, simple system to figure out, you know, you just, it's all about making pressure and moving it in the right direction. Right. That's really, really all it is. And now, now we got electric, electrical controlling hydraulics, which is, you know, GPS systems that are working on dozers that you put a map in it, a map in a dozer, and <laughs> already sounds like a bad there. idea. <laughs> the the operator sits there and the machine will set the grade automatically and make it a parking lot if you wanted a parking lot or, you know, whatever it is. It's it's wild technology. How long has that been going on for? Uh, well, GPS and, and construction equipment has been – it actually – ag is the one that really 
started and led the way with the GPS world of auto driving and auto operation of things. Um, so they've been doing it probably, I would say at least 15 years, I think it's been out for ag. Construction's really come on strong the past 10 maybe, eight maybe, something like that is when it's really come on strong. And do you I think, think the reason that it, do you think the reason it started in ag is just because it's less danger because you're just in a big open field? No, I think the reason it started in ag was for more precision. Um, you know, you're spraying chemicals that are, you know, you're spraying a, a herbicide or pesticide, whatever you want to call it, um, to kill these weeds. And if you <clears throat> farmers, for as much as people um, want to pick on them about how much chemicals they use to get their crops to grow or to control weeds or whatever, they are very conscious of their spending. And that input is the only thing a farmer can control is the input because the grain market is like the stock market. It rises and falls at whatever it may be that day. Um, so the only thing a farmer can truly control is his inputs. So when you find a way for a farmer to say, I'm going to get you within six inches of overlap on your spray or on your seed that you're paying an absorbent amount of money on to put in the ground <laughs> and make it more accurate, um, they're going to take that opportunity and pay the extra to have that precision technology because over thousands of acres, six inches of overlap creates another how many ever gallons of product that you're going to have to put down on the ground right. that you're wasting or doubling or, you know, that, and that could, depending on what you're spraying and what you're planting and what you're doing year to year, there's a residual that may stay over and kill next year's crop because you put too much on in that one area. So Jeez, there's, a little... there's, there's so much to think about when it comes to, it's like, <laughs> it's think a... about farming and I think about like planting a seed in the ground and then a thing growing, you know, you don't realize really how much work goes into into getting the food to your table <laughs> it, it is a it's a lot of work and a lot of people truly um they, they definitely have to have a very mindful way of keeping themselves sufficient you know like that self-sufficiency is the key to the, the whole farming world i think there's there's nobody that loves the land more than they do is that is that self-sufficiency so we had talked about how maybe like engines are less resilient than they used to yeah. be. In the, do you think that that self-sufficiency is threatened by that? Um, you know, not being able to work on your own equipment as easily, not being able to maybe get parts or, or understand systems or electronic systems. Um, well, or do you think that it just gives them more freedom because they have, you know, all this stuff taken care of already? No, I think it's, I think it I think it's a double edged sword for the for the equipment owner, farmer, whoever you want to call it, even the construction equipment. Uh um your one friend that was on a podcast that I listened to a while back or whatever. Um he, he owns some construction equipment. You know, um he breaks down in the middle of a job site and doesn't have the proper service manuals or a way to hook up to it or a way to get his engine back going, he's calling a person like me to come out and fix it. And that 
it does it is a big cost to have me fix it but at the same time depending on how many pieces of equipment you have is it worth you to have your own guy and then i worked as i worked on uh as a for a fleet for a company and they poured concrete and uh they did like precipice and foundations at stamping plants and stuff like that so they're a, a fairly good sized company and i was uh there was two of us technicians there that worked there and we we're you know they were buying leading edge equipment it was all newer equipment and stuff like that there were still times where even i had to call in and have the dealer come out and actually help diagnose it because i didn't have the software the manual the stuff like that so it is a double-edged sword with technology and it uh it kind of forces you back to the dealership where the automotive side there's there's ways of getting around it uh with scan tools and such um the diesel side there's a few companies out there that are doing it for engine stuff but i don't know i'm really trying to get hooked up with somebody that has um has one of those systems so i can compare it to what i have from the factory itself you know what like I mean? a scan system <clears throat> like a scan system or like a scan tool or a we call them edls in the construction side um electronic data links is what they really are or data link adapters or whatever you want to call them but that's where you plug in and you can actually get information from the machine to get the parameters that you're looking for especially for final tier four engines interim tier four engines um you know where you're looking for that regen history um what it's doing the load profile of the machine um how hard they actually run it because now if you let it idle for too long you're going to start causing damage to your after treatment system you know i think it's so, awesome what so you just said two things that i thought were really cool um the first one was even as as knowledgeable as you are and you know i've i've consumed a lot of your content i know how knowledgeable and um how good you are at this kind of thing and yet when you run into a problem that you need help with you're not afraid to ask for it and i just wanted to say that that's really awesome of you because <laughs> there's a lot yes. of people who who aren't like that and who will just just keep ramming their head into the wall until they you know don't have a choice anymore so i think that that's really cool i'd like to just point that out for anybody listening yeah that's uh that's definitely humble humbling machines are the key to uh to keeping that under your belt i believe um it doesn't matter how long you've been doing this i've been doing it over 20 years and i still get humbled by a machine and technology <laughs> you know it, it's um you just get that one that's gonna it's got your number and you're gonna fight it and fight it and fight it and then you know um the other day i was at the shop and i was i was working with a guy on a machine and it was uh it was one of those deals where the boss was like hey go over there and just talk it over with them like you guys just chat and and this this guy's been working on construction equipment before i was born you know and uh i'm like hey what's going on you know and he's explaining the, the what it's doing and how it's doing and i'm like I'm like wait a minute when you when you pull a safety lever up the drift stops right he's like yeah it doesn't drift when it does that and then i'm like well do you think it's sending a signal to that control valve 
and like the light went off in both of our heads and we had it figured out within we had we had the right direction within a minute and a half of talking <laughs> it over you know like and that's the thing that you just have to do and that's the humbling experience that i always have is like myself is like hey you got a minute we need to talk about this and then sometimes i'll answer my own question just by talking it over or they'll be like hey what about this angle you know looking at something from a different angle you know and it's it's something you have to do if you if you can't collaborate or um trust the, your fellow coworkers or somebody that you can bounce things off of when you're at worst like that it's going to be a pretty lonely lonely road to hope for sure especially and, i mean just that's just a good skill to have in life is just to be able to communicate and collaborate with people you know yeah absolutely and Absolutely. then when you're working on, you know, when you're working on a, a giant piece of equipment as complex as what you're working on, I would imagine that, you know, it does take a lot of hands to kind of get those things um, going. And I mean, because how many, I mean, there's there's a, hydro, it's a hydraulic system, uh, engine, there's the electrical system, there's, you know what I mean? There's all this stuff. I yeah. can't imagine that one person is just an expert on the whole thing. Well, and that's the that's the thing is there's factory trained classes that we do go to. Um, like I said, I I do work on John Deere for a John Deere dealer, um, so we have John Deere for warranty has what they call a capstone, where we actually have to go to the training center, and it's you have to do a bunch of online classes for a prerequisite to get to the class, which goes over like where the light switches are and what options it may come with and you know like just the randomness of in the cab and an operator's type view um and then you go to the class for a week and then you have a test at the end a written test that's worth 100 points and a hands-on test that's worth 100 points so overall you go to this class for a week and you actually dig into the full electrical schematic and system, the full hydraulic system, how the powertrain works, um, how the how everything works on the whole machine, and then they actually go out and they'll bug four machines that are worth 25 points apiece, and you have to fix them. <laughs> and you have an hour. You have an hour to do it. Oh, jeez. So an hour to do each machine. So it's. Uh, oh, for each machine. I was yes. like, holy shit, how is yep. it going to do four machines in an hour? My God. No, no, it's, a, it's an hour per machine. And they could bug something from, I've had them flip a diode backwards in a fuse panel. Where <laughs> you, you don't know why it's working that way, and it could be throwing some random code or something. It could be anything. It's really... <laughs> they removed springs from hydraulic spools and made a spool shift inside of a thing. And, like, there's no rhyme or reason to why it's happening. And all you can do is go back to the schematic and say, it has to be right there. That has that to be the be problem. That so frustrating. You know, it is. It's, it's like the most drooling test. And, and you know if you don't – because you have to have 80% to pass the class. This so you can't miss one. <laughs> you can't really miss any – like you can miss one machine and get 100% of your written tests and fix the other three and still snake by, I think is how it works. <laughs> but it's like 
you got to fix them machines. You got to make sure you diagnose them right. And uh, it's, it's a real deal um, thing. But then once you pass that, John Deere gives you the green light saying we'll pay a hundred percent diagnosis fee for that technician like myself, whatever it takes to actually diagnose the machine. So they'll pay a hundred percent warranty pay for me to diagnose it. If it so is awesome. something so if it is something odd that's just crazy and I got four or five hours in the finest electrical problem, they pay that four or five hours. Oh, that's great. To diagnose it. So it's kind of a double edged sword there too, you know. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> you gotta really know the piece of equipment and uh you know, it's tough because a lot of the times, you know, we do get a lot of operator questions come through from the service office, you know. Um it's it's like, Hey, my uh I have this light coming out of my dash. What's it mean? Well, what's the code or what's the thing, you know, and you gotta know all that stuff kind of to help help a customer out because we do give away a lot of free information to help. Um, the last thing I want to do is have anybody come in and and look at it and be like, well, it's this. Why it, it doesn't even need to be here. This is in the wrong place. You know what I mean? Or this switch is in the wrong place or something like that. You know, I, just, I feel pretty – I feel pretty – I put that weight on my shoulders sometimes to help more than I more than I probably need to, but I right. do because it's it's part of what we do. You know, I have friends call me with with machine questions, and I I'll sit on the phone with them and you know give them a little bit. I had a guy uh, there's a guy on on YouTube that um, contacted me uh, through Instagram, and he had a question about a skid steer. I'm like, yeah, man, this is, you know, I gave him some information and but he works at a John Deere ag dealer up there and his information was a little more limited than mine on the, on the computer side of it with John Deere does a, they do a separation between construction and forestry as one group, ag is another group, and then you have like consumer product, which is anything like smaller tractors as a third group of of things. And basically you can be a dealership for all three or you can be a dealership for one of the three. So they kind of split it up that way a little bit. But I'm all about helping people out because that's, that's what makes the world go around, you know. Oh, for sure. That's a, that sounds like a big theme for you is, help, is being helpful and working together. That's, um, you know, it's really awesome. Yeah, throughout throughout my life, that's been I, I I feel like there's there's a lot of people out there that don't have that aspect or look out look outlook on life. Um, that you know they they I don't know how somebody gets gratification of seeing somebody else fail or or anything here, like that. You know, like that. and there are, there are I've seen it a thousand times, you know, or more. You know, you see it all the time. You can see it every day. And and it, it is weird because I can't um, I can't stomach it. You know, I have to. It could be somebody that I might not be a big fan of, but I'm still going to help them out. You know, like I really don't particularly know you or like your outlook on life, but I'm still going to help you out because 
Yeah, it's the right <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. And hopefully, if I help you out, you'll pass that along, you know? Pay it forward. That's what I'm That's thinking. also That's one kind of thought process I never understood either was, like, the people who, like, they – they like seeing people fail. They like watching other people fail. It's very, it's almost like they, you know, maybe they've had a lot of failure in their own life. And so to them, it's almost like justification, like, you know, well, I failed, but look at, they failed too. It must be really hard or something, you know? It's like yeah. a, a real sick, weird thrill out of it. <laughs> it. It is. It is. It's It's kind of. And it's never super successful people who get that. <laughs> no, it's not. It's It's, it's not. It's not. Um, well, that means we have a chance, doesn't it? <laughs> that means yeah, we well, have a chance of being somebody someday. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> Maybe. No, well, uh, you do. You do. <laughs> no, it's, I don't know. I think I think you do. Um, you, you got a podcast, man. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> I'm just. I just got a YouTube channel and Instagram right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, your YouTube, your YouTube channel is so cool. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm hoping I, I need to get some more stuff out there. And uh, that was a, that was another thing, you know, is is getting people into this industry um, and letting them know that it's, you know, right now the big the big word is essential, right? Like what's essential and what's not essential. Um, and I have. I have been working as an essential employee through all this uh, COVID-19 and everything else that's going on. There's been some changes in my schedule and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, construction equipment is needed to make the world go around. Um, People aren't getting accidents on roads if there's a road. So (laughs) kind of, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I tend to look at too is, um, you know, I just tried to, I tried to pick a field or career that was going to, was going to always be, something always going to have to be fixed, you know. Um, look at an operator now. You know, the, the big thing when I was kind of into it was everybody was like, well, you should be an operator. And, you know, you run the piece of machinery. Well, now, and it operators are kind of losing that te- losing that race to technology because there's you know they're they're putting these GPS units in there so they don't have to have that experience and knowledge that the the older operator had to you know to make a you know you, you get a older guy on a dozer that's been doing it his whole life and tell him to go make that thing flat or run water this way or whatever it is and he goes out there and steps back, looks at it, sits on his seat for a minute, and next thing you know, that dirt's flowing one way, and he's got it all the way he wants it, you know, and it's and it's done. And you go out and watch somebody go out there with a great stick, and, man, he's right close. It's good enough. You know, it's perfect. It's, you know, but – and now, now you can program that into a machine. So I think there's some – technology battle that's being lost to the art of you know using the machines but fixing them is always going to be there there's always going to have to be somebody to fix the machine and fix something you know for for sure at least for the next as long as we're going to be alive (laughs) yeah i don't think there's going to be any self-fixing that's going to (laughs) start happening anytime soon so 
I don't know. The thought, the idea of a of a ren, of a renegade uh, robot bulldozer is equal parts exciting and terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I am. I am. Uh, I, I've seen some awesome auto steer uh, pictures on the internet of farm tractors ending up in drainage ditches and all sorts of stuff because auto steer was on and. Either somebody fell asleep or something happened. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> there's been uh, there's been some stuff out there on the internet that's pretty pretty fun to look at. But I would hate to be in their situation. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's um, fun to look out out after the fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I have a question for you. Yes, sir. I, I say this. I have a statement that I say, and it's kind of a it's kind of a crazy statement. People always ask me questions about, well, what's the best brand of equipment? And I always say, it doesn't matter what shade of yellow you're working on. (laughs) Nobody likes a broken machine. So how many really, how many shades of yellow are there? A lot. (laughs) Okay. I would, I I would imagine that there, you know, there's a lot of shades of yellow. There's, I can't even imagine how many shades of yellow there is. But there's so, there's countless possibilities of shades of yellow. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, the entire the light spectrum. I mean, if you take a gallon of paint and you add, let's say you take a gallon of yellow paint and you add a single drop of red tint to it. Yep. Now it's a new shade. And then let's say you <laughs> now let's say you throw that out and you add and you take a uh, another gallon of yellow paint, and you add a single drop of blue to it. Now that's a new shade. And now let's say you take that and throw that out, and you add a single drop of red and a single drop of blue. Well, that's a new shade. So on and so forth until I'm very. I mean, gotcha. I, it, I'm sure it's not infinite because the because color is really just our eyes collecting yeah. it and receiving. And uh, light, so it would depend be dependent upon the light um, spectrum and how it merges with the rest of the light. Um, but it, it's a lot of fucking yellow. There's a lot of yellow. <laughs> well, it's kind of because I mean, in all reality, um, you know, I always say it that way is because you know, there's cat yellow, Kamatsu yellow, John Deere yellow, um, Hitachi, which is orange, is called taxi cab yellow, and there's Somehow they have that. It's there's crazy. some weird, there's some weird ones like that. I bought a paint the other day called uh, Heather's Lavender, and it was it's hot pink. Really? Yeah, Heather's Lavender, <laughs> and I was I was looking at it, and I had to actually ask my brother if I was going crazy because I'm sometimes I I'm I'm colorblind. It doesn't affect how I paint or anything. It's just sometimes when I see colors, I just they just don't look the same way they look to other people. Um, okay. So. I was looking at this color and I'm like, that looks like hot pink, which is what I do. I paint also like, I just do like brush painting and pinstriping and stuff for fun. Um, oh, that's so sweet. So I, I'm not very good at it. Don't worry. <laughs> don't get too excited. Um, but it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was looking for this pink color that I'm trying to, I'm doing a painting with. And I was looking at it and I'm like, Heather Lavender or Heather Purple. That's what it was. Heather Purple. I'm like, Heather Purple, that looks like the 
color of pink that I'm looking for. So I'm like, Rick, is this pink or is this purple? And he's like, yeah, that's pink. I was like, all right, I'm going to call this in. If this comes back the wrong color, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some colors are very – or taxi cab yellow, I know that color. It's like almost an orange. Even cat yellow is very, very orange. Yes, it is. Yeah, John Deere is – and then like Kamatsu, I don't know if you guys see much Kamatsu in the area or not. Um, but they're they're, uh, they're like a really bright orange, right? Yeah, bright yellow, bright yellow, yeah. like yeah. the yeah, like school bus yellow, like brighter than that even. Who's that's orange? Crazy. Orange is Hitachi. Hitachi, that's the one I was thinking of. Yep. And there's a blue one too. Blue. Blue. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of blue, what blue, I saw blue. it on. It was like uh, is it is. It was like a forklift that you like sat off to the side of, but it had like a. Oh, there, there is um. Is Kamatsu does make a blue, and then their Skytrack has a blue. Um, no, it's um. Oh, it's a great all lift all or something like that, or. A, I think it was oh, lift can, all. That sounds right. I can picture it. Something like that. It was a yeah. They're like a they're a telehandler. Yep. Yeah, and then JCB has its own has its own yellow. Like and uh, why did they all? Why did all these companies pick yellow except for John Deere? <laughs> uh, John Deere has yellow though. Their, oh their yeah, green and yellow, right? Their construction equipment is a like a yellow, a burnt yellow. Really? Uh, like a yeah, it's uh, somewhere between. Being green. It's uh, construction's always been yellow, like Weird. It's yellow, and then uh, there's another company, Doosan, that's orange as well as Hitachi. And Hitachi and John Deere are part. I don't know if they're partners or basically, if you were to buy a Hitachi 200 size excavator, yeah, or John John Deere 200 size excavator, the only difference is the paint color, the seat, <laughs> and the engine. That's funny. <laughs> with a Hita- with a Hitachi, you get an Isuzu engine. With a John Deere, you get a John Deere most of the time. There are there are some John Deeres made with Isuzu engines, though. <laughs> That's funny. So, that that kind of makes me think of like how Mac is Volvo, Volvo's Mac. Oh yeah, it's, and it's Ford. A, I mean, how many Ford and GMC? I mean, how many companies have they all owned over the years? <laughs> I know it's like, um, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because it's well, and now you have. Um, I guess I might be letting the cat out of the bag here, but JCB Uh-oh. and JCB and Volvo, their skid steers are the same. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. It's breaking news on the A1 Auto Body podcast. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they. I, I've heard rumor that they come out of the same factory. That really? Is. That's cool. Yeah, um, down in Georgia, actually. I've you know what? In Georgia. You know what I found out a little while ago that I am just shocked by is you know Craftsman Tools are made by a so basically every wrench like every hand tool in America there's three there's three like tool companies that just manufacture all the tools and then they just punch the different names on them really yeah and then so like like Ingersoll Rand makes all of the all of like craftsmen's they manufacture all of craftsmen's air tools and then they just put the craftsman name on it yeah. And Armstrong yeah, Tools makes all their hand tools. Really? I don't know. That that yeah. really messes me. Because I always that, thought, like, 
companies need to have their own manufacturers, but apparently they don't. They just punch whatever name they want on there. <laughs> and there is, you know, it's like, um, you know, there's so many, so many crazy things that have happened over the years as far as like collaborations type of stuff. You know, Caterpillar and uh, Skytrack are their telehandlers are made by Skytrack, which is a total separate company, but they said cat all over them. You know, it's uh, I actually, if, I think if you want a wiring schematic, I think that's the direction Tesla is going to go in. So I think, it, I think? think, I don't know this for sure, but this is my prediction for Tesla is that they will produce like all these really awesome electronic systems for cars. Mm-hmm. They will stop producing cars and instead you'll get like a Ford powered by Tesla. You'll get a Chevy yeah. powered by Tesla. That's my. So they'll, they'll be like the Cummins and Cat back in the day when they were exactly. putting them in all the trucks, right? Like Detroit exactly. Cummins and Cat, right? What do you want in your semi? What do you want in your Kenworth? What do you want in your Peterbilt? Exactly. Right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what I think is going to happen. I think Tesla's going to, I think they're doing this whole like making cars thing just to like create waves and stuff. And then eventually they'll back off of that and they'll just, They'll just put their tech into other vehicles. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's a phenomenal thought right there. That's that's pretty crazy. Dude, did you I know in Tesla, if you don't pay for it, it drives. It will turn on and just drive to a place where it's another where they can come and tow it. Really? Yeah. How pissed would that's you insane. be? That's insane. That's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Pay for your yeah. tests, people. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I'll make sure next time I can afford one. That, uh, <laughs> maybe we'll go together to buy one. Yeah, you and me. We'll race them. <laughs> we'll race them from their home, and then we'll see which one gets back to them first. Yeah, we won't we pay afford. for them, and then we'll see which one races back to Tesla. I like that. <laughs> Who, who's got repoed first? <laughs> kind of like threats of electric 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 engines taking over or, or causing a disruption oh, in the construction or ag field? We already have hybrids. Really? Yes, 100%. I worked on one uh, not that long ago. It's going to a it was going to load a asphalt plant. It is hybrid which this this really this hybrid thing really kind of kind of makes uh, all the automotive guys like angry I guess because I'm calling it a hybrid but <laughs> it's it's an electric drive uh, it's an electric drive wheel loader so it's got four electric motors on it one in each wheel and it's actually got an engine and this one the bucket would hold 10 yards of dirt I think it was a 10-yard bucket on this one on the front of it. Is that a so, lot? Um, like, the bucket would be the size of a tandem dump truck. Okay. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I think a, a single-axle so, yeah, dump truck <laughs> around here holds about five yards. Like a single-axle um, Freightliner FL70 or something like that would hold five yards. Or a tandem dump truck or a triaxle dump truck would be able to hold ten yards, I guess, if that makes sense. So Okay. 
Yeah, it, and it's basically got a – that was a 13.5 liter engine that runs a generator. And the generator produces all the power for the wheel motors and the hydraulic pump. How big is this? So let's hold on. Let's go back. So I don't just to like kind of understand the scope of what it is you're working on. How big is this this thing that you're crawling all over? Um, basically, let's see. I think the bucket was 14 feet wide. So the machine's about 14 feet wide, and I'd say 50-some feet long. And I think when they put it on the trailer, they can get it to 14 feet or 14.6 or something like that. So it's probably 14 feet tall, I'd say, roughly. That's pretty tall. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a... it's got a staircase that goes up to it. It's pretty Jeez. pretty large machine. And this um, is a this is like an excavator, or like a uh, wheel loader, just a front wheel loader, just four wheels and a front bucket. Oh wow, that's yeah. wild. And yeah, and, it, and it's and it's electric. Is that the biggest so, thing you work on? And it's electric. <laughs> um, I've worked on one bigger. Uh, that was down in a rock quarry. It was a Komatsu WA nine hundred is what the number was. Um, that one, I can't remember how big the big the bucket was, but it had a V12 Cummins in it. <laughs> so if that Jeez. puts it in a little bit more perspective, uh, <laughs> I think the I think the radiator held. There was over two fifty-five gallon drums full of coolant. That we had to put in it when I did the when I <laughs> did the engine. That's like absurd. That's like almost that's almost cartoonish. <laughs> it is. It's it's insane. I've got a picture of it. Um, I got a picture of me standing in the bucket. Well, I guess uh, the the fan was six foot in diameter. The engine fan is <laughs> six foot in diameter on it. And then uh, the U joints. I remember this for a fact because the U joints were one foot from. They were twelve inches from cap to cap. They were the U joints for the drive shafts were twelve inches across. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. I pride was, myself on working on big stuff, you know. But, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it, but you do, and it you you uh, yeah, you know you. The the thing is though is like the stuff I work on directly produces stuff for you to haul you know your dump truck to haul (laughs) right (laughs) that's the that's the wildest thing is like um you know like you you see truck guys there's a lot of trucking stuff out on youtube and that's kind of why i started the channel um is because i see automotive guys all over the place on youtube you can find an automotive how-to or automotive promotion of the field somewhere and any any type of news feed that you can find on YouTube, I'm sure something comes up automotive. Uh, semi truck repair, heavy truck repair is, or diesel truck repair, whatever you want to call it, um, it's definitely another thing that's super popular and super out there. Construction equipment is like hidden, I think. You know, there's not a lot of people that are promoting it or understanding it or 
you know, it's kind of like a secret almost, you know, of the guys that there's, there's guys all, all over Instagram that work with it. You know, there's all sorts of guys you see operating it, but you don't always see the guys wrenching on it, you know? And that's something that I was like, well, I think YouTube needs this. And I think, and that's why I started the channel. I just was, and I was trying to make it as me as possible and just, just be the heavy wrench and kind of keep it anonymous. So everything's kind of, it's just me, you know? Yeah. I love it. I think, I think that that's, um, you know, I wonder if it's not so popular because, like, it's so inaccessible for most people. You know what I mean? Like, like everybody has a car. Uh, you know, most people, if they really try, can probably get to work on trucks. But, like, I feel like working on what you work on, it's like you almost don't even think about the fact that it would probably need someone to work on it, you know? No, and that's the tough part is, you know, and and it comes back to that people, yeah, people really just don't know about it or think about it. I think it's that hidden, that hidden career that is in such dire need of people right now that it's not even funny. And I've worked on, like I said, I went to a truck shop for a while and I worked as a flat rate semi-mechanic, you know, I worked on kingpins and clutches and brakes You work and all on that, that much, stuff. too, like what I feel like when I work on like a, like a car. You know, like I'm like this is no. like, so small and crappy. <laughs> not, not really. I just, it's just not my cup of tea. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's not a. I, I didn't. I was making good money doing it, um, but I didn't really like working on it. You know, I like working on the construction equipment. There's a lot more things that you can do. Um, you know, people always ask me, you know, hey man, you know, can you? Uh, if I if I was to get an escalator, you think you help me run it or can you dig a hole? And I'm like, I can drive any piece of construction equipment on this planet. But if you want somebody to operate it, <laughs> I am not your guy. You know, it's like I I, I tell them like I can uh if you want a hole if you want me to dig something out or push a dirt down, okay, I'll I'll I can dig you a you want a pond? Done deal. Don't, don't tell me don't tell me what shape how deep or what it's got to really look like at the end but if you want a pond just a general pond, i can do that a very steep pond because there's not going to be any grading it's going to be straight yeah, down yeah i don't know what the bottom it's not going to look like it's just if you want a hole out there i got you but <laughs> You want that dirt pile to be knocked down? Okay. I can knock that down and make it look different. That's for sure. But flat, not a, not a chance, you know. That's kind of um, how I feel when people talk to me about engines. Like, like I understand enough about engines as, like, as far as they relate to my job. But, like, I'm not an engine guy, you know. Like, when I don't yeah. – I mean, there are people in my shop who are – who are engine people. It's just not my thing. Like, I don't, I don't know what the great difference between like two liter and three liter is like, and I don't really care. To be honest with you, yeah. it's not even worse. For me, you know, I like, but I could talk to you all day about like why maybe they chose to put the body line 
you know, three quarters of the way up instead of two thirds of the way up, and and how that you know affects and, and detracts from or adds to the car's overall appearance. Or I love talking about that kind of thing, but like when I start talking about engines and like ratios and like it's like oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing, you know. I, I mean, uh, you know, just the other day we were, I was talking to a, talking to another tech, and he was working on a piece of forestry machinery, and he's like, you know, the plug, there was a, basically a big a twelve pin connector at the end of this, machine that he was working on, and it was a forestry piece, and he's like, you know, they only, he said I changed it over to a Deutsch, a Deutsch style connector, you know, because each solenoid only was pulling one amp one amp per <laughs> wire. So the Deutsch is really good for like, you know, and we started going in this deep conversation about how, how much, how many amps you could actually put through a, a Deutsch connector versus another style connector. And we're like, I'm like, man, we are like the nerdiest two people in this <laughs> world right now. Like what are we doing? And, I, and you know, nobody really thinks of that. They just, Oh yeah, put them on there. You'd be good to go. You know, like see it, make sure it works. But you know, it's like there's some of us out there that are just nerdy enough to try to make sure, you know, or or maybe we just care that much that we don't want to come back, you know, that's the thing. Well, I think that's I a big difference, too, between understanding something and really understanding something, you know? Yeah. Like, you, then, can, you can, yeah. you know, your grandfather probably kept his tractor going, you know, for his whole life, and it was probably a lot of trial and error, and he didn't really un- maybe understand you know why when he did this thing it worked but he knows it did so he just kept doing it and it kept working you know whereas yeah. you being able to really understand those things and how to really optimize the performance that's kind of the difference between you know a professional like you and the person who's just homegrown doing it themselves yeah i think that's the that's the thing you know and then i did a whole video on uh do you need schooling for this and i've i've got some pretty i would say i've gotten 50% um, both sides of the coin, if that makes sense, of yes, you do, and no, you don't. Um, but it really boils down to if you really want to be a technician in a heavy equipment, truck, automotive, um, I guess across the board, it doesn't matter to me what you really work on. But you do need to understand the basic fundamentals of things and how they work in order to be able to go to these factory classes and succeed. And if you are one of those types of people that can grasp that knowledge very easily, um, I find myself using Ohm's law more and more every day, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's one of those things I sit in college and I'm like, why am I learning this? Why is this so important? And then, (laughs) Next thing you know, now we're now we're working on CAN bus systems that are, you know, you're you're running all sorts of messages down three wires, and you're looking for a particular resistance and a particular thing, and how much voltage is here and how much is there, and I'm I'm using Ohm's law to figure out what that sensor should be to a certain <laughs> extent, you know, like, well, it says I want to have this many volts here, but I only have this many volts. What's the resistance there? Okay, that's that makes sense. It's, you know, and it's, it's something that people don't really understand if you're, you know, there's one guy that, um, you know, there's a, there's one guy in particular that I, I would consider him a friend at this point. 
Um, you know, he's like, I went to school. <laughs> the real question not. is, would he consider you a friend? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question. <laughs> I'm gonna ask him now. <laughs> but he's from Pennsylvania. And he said, you know, uh, School of Hard Knocks is what he went through. And he said, I, you know, and he's, he's, he owns his own business. He's very successful the way it seems. Um, I consider him a super intelligent person. And I respect him wholeheartedly. And, but I think he probably had some opportunities and was fortunate enough to learn a lot more growing up than kids are today about mechanics and different stuff, you know, that's going on. I'm so on the fence about, about school, to be honest with you. I'm like really on the fence. I, for auto body, I honestly, I don't, I don't see the point in it. Um, yep. However, I can definitely see the point, especially for someone like you when doing, I mean, I'm sure, like, just understanding a hydraulic system, these kinds of things, like, things that are much more based in, you know, math and, you know, hard numbers and, but, like, you can't read a book and, and figure out how to how to sand flat body work. You can't no. read a book and learn how to paint. Like, you need to have a gun in your hand and, and paint, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and the more I talk to people like you, though, the more I feel like, Oh, I guess really, because when I first started, I was 100% against against tech tech school, period. I thought you should just get a job. But the more I talk to you or people like you, the more I realize, well, maybe that's not true for everybody. Maybe that's not true for every profession. And I think I've, over time I have changed more to just before you go to school, know what you actually want to do don't just go to school for the fun of going to school and figure you're going to figure it out later. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of people that are, cause we're similar age, I think, um, that have a lot of management degrees that aren't managers. <laughs> right. I mean, I know, <laughs> I know quite a, you know, there's a lot of people that are, I'm getting a business management degree. Okay. <laughs> cool. Like, what do you, what's that, what's your end result? Well, I'm going to manage a business. Okay. And there's how many other thousand people doing that same thing? And there's how many, like, what is your outlook on, on jobs, you know? And, and right now the outlook on jobs and mechanics or technicians or whatever you want to call us, I don't, like I said, I, I, I hate that there's been this label put on us or in our heads that we have to kind of, <laughs> you know, conform to. It's it's horrible. I, I, you can call me a whatever you want. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I, I get heat all the I get heat all the time for calling myself a body man still, even though the technical term is like a collision repair specialist. But Seriously? I'm not the I'm not the fucking queen of England. I'm a hillbilly who works in a shop in New Hampshire. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but. You know, I think there's a there's another thing that I that kind of came up while you're talking about school is, um, you know, for you, for what you do, I look at it as art, okay. You do artwork on the side of a vehicle. That's what you do. 
And it, it is tough to learn that on paper. You know, you have to be able to do that to be better at it, right? For sure. Um, so I guess that's the that's kind of a defining line where I would agree with you on on that wholeheartedly as far as schooling and body work. Yeah, you got to get out there and do it. You know, yeah, that's, I think uh, that's, that's the big. I think that's the biggest kind of. Um, I, I think that's the biggest difference between like being a mechanic and being a body man. Um, or a collision repair, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I think that I think that that's the biggest difference. Is I think that a lot of times they're they are viewed in a very similar light, even though I think that they're really completely opposite things. Because a lot of, again, a lot of, you know, there's no feeling when it comes to how your engine runs it's either running right or it's not you know what i mean there's no yeah. emotion that you're not going to you know feel any kind of emotional response from you know your dipstick or whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like when you're doing paint like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of very small things that you need to make decisions on throughout the process that are going to give you completely different jobs and a lot of those decisions that you make in body work are emotional calls. You know, I say emotional. It's not like I'm crying all day, but it's like, <laughs> it's like there's things like I think, you know, this would look better. Today, that silver dump truck we painted, you know, I had to decide where on that handle I'm going to cut the silver and I'm going to cut the black and make the rest black. And those are, you know, I have to make, you know, dozens of those decisions every day. And those are the things that, that make it an A1 auto body job and not a, you know, Joe Schmoe's down the street job because of the artistic, quote unquote, artistic decisions that I make like that. And those kinds of things you can't teach. It's more than if you have to have an understanding of, you know, why of, you know, of color and you have to have an understanding of like what looks good and why and contrast and all of these different little things that you can only learn you're never going to know what looks good until you've accidentally made something look really bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and your stuff that I've seen on Instagram, like there was a tanker truck, a red and white tanker truck that had like a, it almost looked like an arrow cut out in the cab, I believe. Mm -hmm. If I'm thinking like that was phenomenal looking. And then there was another one that had, it was yellow fenders and the back of the cab was yellow. Yep. I think it was a Kenworth. Yep. And I'm I, like, and I'm like, I would have never thought of making that look like it looks. It looks so cool. That's actually that truck is a really good example of what I'm talking about because the reason. So normally those trucks we do all the we do all of that company's trucks. Normally it's the fenders and the roof that go yellow. Okay. On, normally he has Peterbilt and Peterbilt have that really nice um, roof panel that's cut real that just is you know it's cut all the way around it just looks like a separate piece from the back panel on this particular truck i think you're right it was a kenworth he, it, the panel didn't have that cut it went all the way down so there wasn't a good place to cut it so we made the decision to follow it all the way to the ground um, yeah. <laughs> because that's how it would look the best you know and actually that paint job came out so cool <laughs> I, I I know I like I said thumbing through your stuff. Um, I, I you know break time I 
sit down for 15 minutes and I find an, find an Instagram and I just go nuts on it. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what I do in my 15 minutes of, uh, of sitting at my, sitting in my small little toolbox I got, you know. Um, I'm sure that you're, yeah, small. Yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so it's like a room. So you yeah. got your own room for tools. I I do love tools, though. I am a, <laughs> I am addicted. And, uh, I mean, my I think my dad gave me a choice. He said, you know, if you're going to be addicted to something, make sure it's something that you're going to be able to have forever. Um, so... <laughs> You could, have, so, uh, you could have picked something cheaper, Jesus. I know, right? Like, <laughs> like heroin. I, mean, <laughs> I know, right? Like Jesus. Um, but yeah, you speaking of color combos, you know, I picked a pretty wild and outside the box color combo in my toolbox. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, I have it's, not. It is an 84 inch Epic with a locker on the side of it and a hutch, and it's white with blacked out trim. Oh, that's cool. Hold on, I'm looking for it, it right now. It is, uh, I think I've got it up on my Instagram or or on YouTube, either one. But yeah, they, uh, it's pretty crazy. I just found your green one. That's a pretty, that's really nice. That's actually my favorite color, lime green. Lime green? Yeah. I'm yeah, I had, a, um, I had a yellow one. And I had uh, that that white one I just got a few years ago now, but it's, uh, it's not on your Instagram, so you're gonna have to it put it up. It might not be. Hmm. I'll have to throw it up there. Oh wait, no, I just found it. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's really cool. And you have the little small roll card too. Jesus, yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, that's tools, beautiful. I like that. Tools are tools are my uh, nemesis, but not really. Why'd you choose um, black and white? It was different, bold. Um, I I like being bold. I'm kind of I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of bold about things, I guess. And uh, I've got. I, I always felt that, you know, with a with being a. I work on dirt every day. I had a I had a canary yellow. I think it was canary yellow toolbox before that white one. And it was it was bold. It was cool looking. Um, but I went to the white because it, it really stands out and white, the company I used to work for bought all white vehicles. They stayed clean. They looked clean when they were dirty and they were white. It's, I'm like, well, that's pretty good theory. So <laughs> I kind of took that theory from, uh, my old boss and, and was like, you know, white really does stand out as man, that, that just has a sharp image to it in my mind. Um, and it's it bold. does, especially when you keep it clean. It's, it's a very bold statement to have a white box in such a dirty profession. It is. It is. And that's kind of, that's kind of, I guess, another thing that um, one of the guys, when I was working back at the company, he always, he was big on cleanliness. You know, if you're, if your truck looks clean, when you show up to the job site, your uniform looks clean, you look sharp you're going to automatically get a pass on looking like you know what you're doing. Right. Um, <laughs> perception is perception is it, you know, like you have to, you know, be perceived as somebody that's professional in order to, you know, charge what you charge, you know, you have to, you have to look and act the part. 
you know, you, you can go out there and look professional and stumble across trying to diagnose a bad battery or a bad starter, and <laughs> that's not going to get the job done. But if you go out there and, you know, you you show up professional and you look clean and everything looks clean and your tools are straight and neat and, you know, you have an order to them, that customer is going to look at his bill at the end of the day and, said, and feel value. You know, that's right. what it's all about. And that's kind of the perception I want to give with my toolbox and everything is you're going to get value. You're going to have, this is the guy, you know, when somebody walks through a shop and whatever, and you look at somebody's toolbox, and you're like, I want that guy to work on my stuff. And that's who I want to be, you know, as as far as the the professional side of me, that's who I want to be. That's awesome. I think that's so. a great great goal to strive for. I do not have a very clean toolbox. So. <laughs> well, you are. I I bet you it's got Bondo dust on it somewhere. It uh it has a lot. It has. I'll have to post a picture of my toolbox someday. It's like how, a, well, how flammable? How flammable is Bondo dust? Oh my god, dude! So <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you a funny story. But you can't tell anybody. Okay, I, I won't tell anybody. You're gonna tell them all. Via okay, the so. So you can, so we, we used to, you know, if you stand like a big pile of Bondo dust, yep. you can take it and if you put a, a lighter under it, you can grab a handful of it, you can sprinkle a little bit down there and once it starts going, you can throw it in the air and it'll like, it'll follow the trail of dust up because it's so flammable. So like you really? can, as high as you can throw this dust, you'll make like a tower of fire. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool to do. <laughs> that and I'm funny. not going to tell you how I know that, but just no. you heard you heard from a friend of a friend. Yeah, was another a friend? an yeah. old guy who retired a long time ago, and I it doesn't even work yeah. anymore. <laughs> what uh, what type of tools do you do you prefer? What's your favorite tool brand? I guess. That's for me, for I you. yeah, I like any you... tool that is. I don't buy Snap-on. Um, okay. I used, to, I used to buy Matco, but even them, uh, not really. I prefer I prefer quality tools, but what I look for more than anything is a lifetime warranty. Yep. And not only a lifetime warranty, but a tool company that's actually going to honor the lifetime warranty. Like Snap-on, they, I've bought plenty of stuff from Snap-on that they never, they refuse to warranty. And Seriously? Oh yeah, I've I have literally never gotten a warranty from a Snap-on truck. <laughs> oh my god, never in all of my years. I I one time bought this tape measure, and I had it for less than a month, and it ripped in half. And he wouldn't warranty it, and that was the last time I ever bought anything off Snap-on. <laughs> oh my god, you got a bad dealer then? No, I don't. I it's been multiple dealers. I just never had really? any experience with them. Yeah, no, I just never. I have. I have never had an issue with, with getting anything replaced snap on. However, at Home Depot, they don't give a they don't give a no. Heck. <laughs> they do not care at all what I do no. to these things or anything. So mo yeah, actually, right. most of my tools are either brands like Husky. So my hand tools are all either Husky or Craftsman. Gotcha. My pneumatic tools are all Ingersoll Rand, Chicago pneumatic. Um, yep. You know, not no not no brands. But yeah. cheaper brands that you get out of a magazine or you get I, I wouldn't say an IR is cheap at all or Chicago. I 
they're inexpensive is what I meant. They're good. Yeah, they're no, good. I, I really like Ingersoll Rand. I think they're probably considering you could buy you can buy them at Sears. You know what I mean? They're a good tool. Yeah. Yeah, um, they're they're phenomenal. I like Ingersoll Rand. I like uh, Chicago Pneumatic. My favorite DA, my absolute favorite DA, which is my the standard that I use. Um, yep. It's a company called National Detroit, and I love those things so much. And yeah. my last one just so I had four of them. My last one just broke, and now I'm trying to like Frankenstein's monster the thing together so that'll <laughs> still work. Because I just love them so much, and I but they're very expensive, and I can't. It's not that I can't afford it, but I do, I can't just can't justify spending as much money on tools as I used to. So. Yep. I just no, want, I want one, but I also don't do as much sanding as I used to. And the t- sanding I do is more technical, so I don't really need the I don't really need a big powerhouse DA like I used to. Gotcha. But that gotcha. was so. You're, so you're, the DA is more for the rough cut. Yeah, it was just it's a really what I liked about the National Detroit is that it would the way it works it was very very smooth. So like Hutchins DAs are are known for being like very smooth. Um, and this was like a Hutchins DA, but it cut like nothing. It was it's just a super powerful DA. I mean, I was I could, you know, tear through a dump body in half the time it would take other people using a palm sander, just because the, my DA was so badass. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so it had power. Yeah, yeah, it was just an absolutely spectacular tool. I can't recommend it enough. It wouldn't work on cars. I mean, it would work on cars, but it's it's a little overpowered for cars and stuff. It's what it really was shined out was industrial, you know, commercial yeah. fleet paint. It was just, I love it. I hope I can do, fix it. <laughs> do you guys do much painting on equipment? We do some. Um, do some, do some. We did, we did a skid steer this year. We've done some, it really depends. Honestly, we we don't do too much in most companies who have construction equipment. They want to be able to bring all their stuff to one place. Yep. You know, it's it's tough to do equipment because one the size mm-hmm. and two when you paint equipment it's hard to get all of the stuff without being able to really like move everything around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when we do um boom trucks, you know, we extend them as much as we can and then you have to move them and, and do touch up always because the joints where the joints overlap and all that stuff and then when it's open you know, yep. so we those take a lot of work, um, just to like oh. make sure you get everything. Because nothing sucks yeah. more than you know what I mean. You unload, you unroll, you un I don't even know what you call it, unfurl your boom, and yeah. uh, you know it's thirty feet up in the air and there's a giant red spot and it's supposed to be white. You know. Yeah. So yep. we do. We take a lot of extra time to really unfold those and make sure we get those good. Um, but on on construction equipment is just it's tough to do and also we found that there's not a huge market for it because most of these things get beat up so much you know yeah it's a it's a it, it needs to be more of a, a cheaper paint job yeah they want it it's it's more of the good from far but far from good exactly and i it's think that's what people, not only do i think that's what people want i think that that's really good for that you know for that type of thing you know yeah i mean it's, it's like you know i get when we're putting a new piece of machinery together um i just did one the other day 
and I put a kit on it to where you take the bucket on and off hydraulically. Yeah. So it's got a quick coupler on it. And I have to take, I'm taking this guy's brand new, you know, probably, I don't know, $250,000 machine, right? <laughs> and I'm putting this new kit on it, and he hasn't even seen it yet. And I'm taking a grinder right to the boom <laughs> and, and welding these pieces on. And then I grab the old rattle can special, and I'm touching it up <laughs> with that, you know? And I'm like, well, it says... It says John Deere gray or charcoal, and yeah, that's what this boom looks like. So, <laughs> you know, and that's and and the guy just paid two hundred grand for the thing, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm trying to touch it up the best I can to make it look professional when I'm done, you know. But at the same time, it's like I'm using a rattle can. I I don't like, and that's and that's perfectly acceptable, you know, like. It's got the similar color, and it doesn't match. There's yeah. no matching to it. You know, it's a different. I'm no body guy, and I can see there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, you know, and you're 20 feet away, it looks fine, and that's all that matters. Yeah, uh, but on a lot of those things, you know, it's de- it's definitely different. You know, like, um, but it, at the same time, you know, there's there's customers that you know want to see that inside of their bucket painted when they get a new machine. <laughs> they don't want to see anything, you know, they want to wear that paint off themselves, which, okay, cool, you know. So we do some stuff like that that's, you know, not is what it is. It's going to be rusted within the first 20 days of the shelter anyway, but right, whatever, you know. One thing I would love to see is, because I noticed that pretty much every construction company has a skid steer. Yep. I would love to see people start taking and giving their skid steers really cool paint jobs. Oh, I seen a case the other day with a, it was almost like a, I don't know what if it was an eagle or not, but it had like a mural of an eagle on the side of it. Yeah, that's something It was awesome. so cool. It was Every, so cool. Same with trucks. Trucks should, there shouldn't be a truck on the road that doesn't have a stick paint job. There's no reason not to, you know? It's like the ultimate like I always see, uh, I always see like box trucks. I always think like if I had a twenty six foot box truck, I would have like a giant wizard mural on it or something, you know? Like it would be so, it would be like the coolest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You basically you know, have this giant uh, canvas for which to do, you know, something cool on. I just, I think a lot of people, and I actually think it's trending in that direction. I think we're going to start seeing more of that. But, like, in yeah. Japan, they have these Dakatori trucks. Have you ever seen those? No. These are, like, the they look like a transformer when it's, I don't, it, they're very difficult to describe. Like, they have these platforms on them, and, like, they blast loud music. They have all these, like, synchronized lights to the music all over them. And, like, they have all these, like, crazy aluminum and chrome-like pieces like I don't, I can't even describe it. They almost look like, like horns or something coming off of these trucks, and they are so friggin' cool. And they have really? all of the box trucks have these like amazing murals on the side of them, and they just look so awesome. And I just like, I just hope that we kind of come back around to that in America, because that's how it used to be, you know, in the '80s and stuff. Everybody had these awesome paint jobs and. I'm really hoping yeah. that we come back around to that eventually because 
I would just love to to be a part of that. Um, yeah, there's a there's a company that's um, near us that has uh, they've got covered wagon trailers basically. They they have the soft sides on them. Yep. And uh, they've got like American flag murals down the whole side of them. And yeah, they that's are awesome. The coolest looking trailers. Like you see them coming from a mile away, and you're just like, oh, that's boom, right there. Like that's a that's a and you were talking about like looking professional and stuff before, you know. Yeah. Like that is the kind of thing that is going to make your company stand out in my opinion. Is is something like that that will turn heads and get people talking about your truck and your or your, even your car, your company cars or whatever. I just think those those something like that is just such a good investment in advertising. Yeah, it's a you know everybody talks about like um you know, it's like you, you look around YouTube, you look around stuff like that, and you're like, oh, you got to be, you know, brand yourself this way or brand yourself that way. Well, self-branding. But it's the same thing everybody's been doing in companies forever and ever, too. You know, your logo is your brand. Right. Um, you know, and for you, putting out phenomenal paint jobs is your brand. You know, that's what you guys do, you know. And, and on the heavy side, I haven't seen anybody that comes close to what you guys do. Well, I really appreciate like, that. That means a lot to me. <laughs> like I, I've seen, you know, I've we've had the fleet that I worked for. We've had trucks painted and stuff like that. And I've, you know, there's um there's some really good guys out there that do great great work and everywhere. But as far as for honing in on what you do, man, it's awesome. I don't want to brag, oh, and I don't also don't want to make this whole show about me, but. There's a lot of really awesome guys out there, but if I didn't think I was the best, then I wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> the um, one thing I think is really cool about you in your show, actually, is you have you've given everybody kind of an introduction to something that, like you were calling it, like the secret, the secret job, the secret employment, the like it, it is like the secret world that nobody knows about. You've really opened up the door, and it's, you've been really open and honest about, you know, what you do and and how you do it. I think that's really cool. I think that you're giving people the opportunity to learn something that, you know, everybody takes for granted, including myself. And I work on, you know, one step below, you know, down the chain, of yeah. the, down the supply <clears throat> chain. Like I don't, I don't ever think about that stuff, you know. Yeah, you're you're before and after everything I work on. You're right in the middle of it. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. The, the quarry digs the rock, and the rock goes in the truck that you're painting, and then it goes out to the next machine to get leveled out on the ground. You know, <laughs> like it's you know it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot of it a lot to it. I would say to learn it and to be efficient at it, and. uh but it's a it's a really rewarding industry to be in when you can I enjoy the fact I was in a I was in a field service truck for um six years and then when I went to the private company I was in that for five years. Um and I was doing mostly road work and I had a um I had a Kenworth service truck with a auto crane body on it. So I had a ten thousand pound crane and before that, I had an FL70, a Freightliner, um, with an auto crane body on that one, too. And when I I could go out to a job site and you see somebody having 
literally the worst day because their machine won't start. <laughs> and you go out there, and in 20 minutes, you got that thing running, and they're back making money. And nobody's ever happy with their bill. I mean, that's just <laughs> the way it is, right? I mean, everybody can be, you know, you probably get it uh, every day. Everybody's really happy with their paint job. It's not the bill. Well, <laughs> it's kind of give and take, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, there's some there's some real real rewarding things when – you know, you get to see that customer time and time again, and they build a relationship with them, and they they trust you to work on their machine to keep them going, and your judgment call is appreciated. And yeah, I would I would imagine that would be a very powerful feeling, especially since I'm sure, you know, you must work for you must you must handle the mechanical side of of that thing for some pretty big companies i would imagine since there can't be that many of the people out there that do what you do you know there's there's basically um you know there's there's all sorts of different construction equipment dealers but when you when the when the brass tacks come down to it you have you really have um your john deere your kamatsu your cat and your um volvo and I'm going to miss Case because I always miss Case because they're Case is a construction equipment company that is not really how can I say it? There, there's not a bad piece of Case construction equipment. It's just not as popular in our area. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's kind of like um, you know I live I live uh, north of Detroit, and uh, you know around here. If I see a Nissan, Honda, um, anything like that, it's like a Toyota. <laughs> they better be like, passing Whoa. through. Whoa, what is that? <laughs> you know, like, and uh, we went down to visit my wife's best friend uh, a while back down in, she lives just outside of Washington, D.C. And I was like, oh, my God. There's like. There's like no Ford, Chevy, or Chryslers around here. Like, what is going on? Like, what is this place? Where are we? You know, but it's it's all in you know the perspective of where you're from too. You know, as far as even with construction equipment, and I think a lot of it, you know, I always kind of have this love hate relationship with salesmen because they're salesmen, right? Right. They, they sell the piece of equipment. And, uh, you know, I kind of always throw it back at him like, okay, good job. You sold that customer the first one. Now I will sell him the next one (laughs) because me keeping that first one going is going to get him to buy the next one. Right. So, so I expect a commission check off the next one. Thank you. (laughs) I'm sure you'll always get it too. Oh yeah. Every time. No, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's that's the difference between sales and service, you know. It's like it, it's hard for a salesman to sell something if you can't support it, you know. Right. It's, it's no different than like it, like what you just said with Snap On, right? Like you're not going to buy the product because you're not getting the support. To but, be fair, I would like to be fair and just clarify: Snap On's too expensive, and I am very cheap, and well, I probably wouldn't buy the product anyway. But. Okay, but you know what I'm saying, though, right? Right. Like, I'm just, I'm just, it, I didn't, 
I don't want any. I don't want my Snap-on dealer to get in trouble. He's a very okay. nice guy, and I think he does yes. great work. It's too expensive. I wouldn't buy it anyway. But I understand what you're saying. But you know what? I was, okay, I guess the. I guess um, I can. Yeah, we can find a different example, but. <laughs> um, like so, with the tape, with the tape measure in particular, right? Um, right. Thank you. <laughs> with the tape measure in particular, um, you would you would you would gladly buy another one if if you would have had the support there for that one, right? Right. Like, um, I guess that's the that's the kind of the where I was going with it more than anything else. But right. but yeah, and that's kind of how I feel as far as um, being in that being in the service side of making sure a customer gets his machine back going right and fixed properly and knows the state of his machine to either make the call of is it time to trade it in and upgrade or is it time to spend some money on this thing, you know? Right. I've, I've personally, I know I've sold a few machines just by doing a very good thorough inspection and let the customer know, hey, you're looking at doing undercarriage, you're looking at doing this, um, you know, this final drive is probably going to go soon. You know, this cylinder work needs to be done, and now you're at, you know, you're talking about dumping thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 into a $60,000 piece of equipment that sits right now. You know, you're, you're talking, you're talking, you're at the value of the machine almost. Um, maybe it's time to, you know, it, it's, we will gladly fix it, but just so you're aware, <laughs> these problems are coming down the pipeline for you you know is it working right now yes can you get by for a while yes but you're going to be looking at some serious um investment coming into this machine which most customers know about that anyway um what the cost is of running that piece of equipment well there's also too just the fact that you know it's one thing to get stuck on the side of the road when your car breaks down you know it's another thing to have you know a several million dollar job held up because your loader isn't working appropriately, you know, for, and then you have customers breathing down your neck. It's not like this is the customer. It's a means to an end. It's not like it's just a thing that they have for fun. It's the thing that they use to feed their families. Absolutely. So absolutely. To be and the tough able, part is it, it affects, it's a, it's the food chain thing too. Like you're saying, it's, it's, um, that one piece of equipment running supports about six people on the ground or six really? different people, right? Like, um, wow. let's say that, let's say that, um, wheel loader at the asphalt plant is broke and gets shut down for six hours. Um, there's a job that's, you got semis lining up to get loaded with asphalt, but the plant's not making any. So there's all them truck drivers sitting there. Now you got the crew that's sitting out on the road waiting for the asphalt to show up. And it's not coming because that machine's not running. Yeah, well, so now, now you're now you're you're backlogged because you know you missed a like let's say you don't keep that person saying, Hey, you're okay right now, but when you get some downtime you really need to look at this. Because, you know, when they look at it, they're like, well, we got to do that as soon as it gets down because we know the the investment that's out there, you know, because you start looking at it, one one machine could affect a bunch of people on a job site. Yeah. 
You don't even think, no. and and for you know the normal person, you don't even think about that either. Yeah. You know, one one semi goes down. Okay, they're a little short-handed, but that machine that fills that truck or unloads that truck or moves that material when it gets to the job site, if it's a, especially paving, like paving a road, that is so time critical. It's not even funny. They only have so many minutes of having that asphalt on their trailer before it starts to harden and get cold. And you got to keep that paver going to keep that truck empty so he can go get the next one. So if it gets too cold, then it won't pass inspection and then it has to be tore out. Yeah. So it's a, there's a lot to the paving and milling side also that's kind of crazy and I enjoy the shop life now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you must get to go to some cool places though when you're going out on the... I I have seen more of downtown Detroit which Detroit, you being from New Hampshire, right? Yep. Um, Detroit probably has its own image in your mind, <laughs> um, which is probably pretty true. If you've watched <laughs> any of the movies about Detroit, it's pretty pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> uh, there is some really sketchy places, downtown Detroit, Um Outside of downtown Detroit. Downtown Detroit's really nice, actually. Um, it's getting way better than it used to be. I'll put it that way. But there are some places that are that are not pleasant to be in, and there's a lot of different places you get into that are really kind of wild. And, you know, you definitely been to some different places, and the food in downtown Detroit is so phenomenal. It's not even funny. Um <laughs> There's all sorts of places that I've found that were, that I've had, I, I actually, there's, you have to have a reputable source uh, re- refer you to a place to eat downtown Detroit sometimes because you're like, <laughs> really, that place? You really, yeah, yeah, it's all it's all good, man. It's legit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Walk in there and it's the, the best sub I've ever had, you know? <laughs> and, uh yeah, but but it's cool to see different places in Detroit. I I truly enjoyed the windshield time I got driving around Detroit and seeing different things. And I've never had any knock on wood, um, real bad encounters while I was working on construction equipment down there. Most job sites are pretty safe and secure. I would imagine. I mean, no. Who's starting trouble with, like, a group of construction workers? <laughs> and, you know, in Detroit, anything's possible. But <laughs> <laughs> I used to I used to box, and our boxing gym was right next to a um, really nasty bar. Um, and one of the kids was, you know, because I used to help teach the younger kids and stuff, and one of the – kids was like oh you know I, I get nervous coming in and out of here i'm like the amount of people who <laughs> the amount of like people who are starting trouble with a gym full of fighters is very very small you don't have to worry <laughs> about it you don't have to be afraid. you don't have to be afraid <laughs> yeah that is, that is true that's a pretty like, good way to look the at only it. place safer would be to go hang out in the police station other than that yeah yeah um <laughs> one of the craziest places i ever went to is um there's an incinerator where they actually burn money in Detroit. 
What? Like a Federal Reserve incinerator type oh, deal. Oh, God. That must be the most difficult job on the planet. Man, I don't know how, but I had to go in there to work on something. And I'll never forget it because it was the most creeped out place I've ever been in my whole life. I pulled in, and you pull up to these beams that come out of the ground, right? Yeah. And then they open a garage door, and you pull in the shop, and then they close the garage door behind you as the beams come up behind you, and there's another set in front of you. And you've got <laughs> full tactical guy standing up here on a platform, full tactical guy standing there next to your truck with a mirror, and they both have, like, ski masks on, so you can't see their face. And I'm like, really? What? <laughs> What did I just pull into? This looks like a bank robbery gone bad. Like, you know, like, I don't know what, whatever it was. And it really didn't say, like, it wasn't like anything that was, like, well-known, right? You know, like, it wasn't, didn't say anything marked outside or anything like that. Yeah. And I'm like, and then they're like, we have to check your whole vehicle. I'm like, oh, my God. You know how many drawers and how much stuff I have on here? I'm like, okay. So they checked every compartment of my service truck, and it was it was a Freightliner at the time, so I had, you know, it was, oh, there was one, two, five, five compartments on each side of the truck with doors and drawers inside of them. And they went through every single one of them. And then when I left, they did the same thing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. And I just went and worked on a piece of equipment, like, literally 30 feet away from where I pulled out of the next garage door to get into the place and then turned around and, you know, went back out. And I'm like, the next time I had to work on it, I'm like, can you pull that piece of equipment outside? Like, I'll work on it on the street because I don't want to have to go through that whole search thing again. Like, they had to take my driver's license number. They had to take my – it was crazy how much ID I needed to have in there. That's hilarious. The uh... yeah. They didn't check your wallet when you left, though, and that was where you put all the money. So, like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, the one place was, they didn't look. The one place, yeah, my wallet was, was super thin when I came in, and it was super fat when I left, and they never checked it. No. You know how much they um, always had to pay the people who worked in the plant that were the burn money? They must have to pay them a ridiculous amount of money to not have yeah, everybody there. I don't it. know. And I don't even know if that's really what they did there. That's just what I was kind of told afterwards because I never even really – asked oh, what they really? were yeah it was like you know that's the place where they they burn where they take out the circulated bills or something like that wherever they said it like they you know uncirculate the money there or something and so they, i'm like well what do they do they're like, well i think they burn it I'm like holy shit <laughs> the more what's funny they is that the money. more uncomfortable i get the more i talk so like i would have just they would have either let me pass <laughs> they would have let me pass just to get me away from them or they would have shot me <laughs> yeah I mean, it was pretty it was it was kind of a creepy place to go and i've been on the um i've been on the national the air national guard base here that we have right local and that was way easier to get on a military base than it was to get into that place <laughs> yeah that's because no one's trying to break like, into the military base. <laughs> yeah like they're like oh yeah what are you here for oh i'm here to work on this do you know where it's at um, they said it was here. I don't know where that's at. I'm on a base. I don't like. Is there, where am I at? I don't even know. <laughs> so like they would, they just kind of laugh and tell you where to go, and yeah, it was all good. But yeah, but, yeah. Cool. 
yeah, so I've been to some cool places. The rock quarries and mines are really cool to be in. Um, Scrapyards are always kind of a a cool place to to check out. You know, have I've you ever had to go like deep into a mine? Uh, not underground. All of yeah. our uh, all the mines around here, except for the salt mines. The salt mines I've never been into the salt mine, which is kind of on my bucket list. We have two large salt mines underneath Detroit, and uh, one's Detroit Salt Company, and the other one's Morton Salt. Um, and they they they're underground. They're underneath Detroit. So that's a bucket list item for me as well. It, to go into a deep deep mine. Yeah, I think it would be cool. But most of them are open pit mines, so you can it's just a hole in the ground basically. Oh, I don't want to but, go into one of those. I wanted to go into I want to go into the the like one of the ones in like Russia that's like six miles deep. Oh my god, that'd be crazy. Where they like find yeah. all the treasure from World War Two? That's the kind of mine I want to go into. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I want to yeah. ride, I want to ride a really rusty elevator down into like the depths and be like, I'm probably not coming back from this, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go that far. <laughs> like some Indiana Jones, some Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah, I did talk to a guy that uh, um, I worked with a guy that actually did work in the salt mines a couple of times, and he's like, man, if you ever have to go, get yourself a five gallon bucket and fill it with diesel fuel, and whatever tools you take down there, put them in the diesel fuel use them and then put them back in there and i'm like what do you mean he's like they will instantly rust on yeah the that's super smart because because the salty air from the air compressor that's down there and he said everything down there in the salt mine is not rusted out because the oxygen isn't like making the corrosion happen yeah wow so that's so cool it's, it's wild I'm like, and he's like when things go down there they just get parked off to the side they don't bring them back up. <laughs> they just, I guess there's all sorts of cool old stuff down there. But he said wow. if you ever brought anything back up, it would be junk immediately. Dust by the time you got it back up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Scrap yards in Detroit are pretty cool sometimes. Oh, my God. I would um, imagine scrap Crap yards in Detroit must be like heaven for a car person. It's pretty wild down there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Seeing cars going to a shredder is pretty cool. Um, that, oh, that's amazing, too. I watched, a, I watched a refrigerator go through a shredder the other day. Yeah. That, like, those shredders are just unbelievable. It's crazy the power they have. Like, just the, even someone to have thought of that. That's the most amazing part to me is, like, you look at those things and, like, how powerful they are and, like who? Like I would never even have been able to think of something like that. You know what I mean? It's just amazing that people can how smart people are. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's crazy. Like there's some scrapyards that we would go to where they'd have a shear where they cut, they cut basically I beams and scrap in half. You know, it's just a <laughs> large shear. It's like a, it's almost like you've probably used like a sheet metal nibbler. Yeah. Or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what you actually call it. But it's like that only on a huge scale where it take a railroad tie and snip it in half. Wow, you know, that's like, so cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's on the front of an excavator. So, like, there's stuff like that that I've worked on. Um, How do you use that on the front of an excavator? Do, like, guys, like, walk it's, it up to it? Or? it 
instead of like she has the boom that comes up and then it's hooked to an arm or a stick that comes down and the bucket's hooked to that, right? Yeah. So if you take the arm and the the bucket off completely and then you just put the single shear instead of the bucket and the arm. So like that's it. And you just reach out there, grab a piece and snip it. Dude, that's like some, imagine a renegade one of those things. Never mind a renegade bulldozer. Imagine that thing, that thing yeah. going off the rails. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. It's even more um, crazy that people see that and they're like, "We should make that a robot." You know what? That needs less human involvement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at that thing that's completely destroying that piece of steel. We need to have less. Less human error. Less that. oversight. Let's automate that thing and maybe put some spikes on it and give it <laughs> give it feeling. <laughs> I feel like if, if if the times ever get to where it's Mad Max, I want you on my team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I'll make everything that all of our cool vehicles real pretty. <laughs> if if nothing else that I've gotten out of this podcast, I want you on my Mad Max team. Perfect. Because you got some phenomenal ideas. I'll meet you in Detroit. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, man, it's, it's been two hours. I think we're going to call Holy it. Holy cow. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Crazy. I just looked at the time, and I was like, what? Yeah, no way. Um, well, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I, I just wanted blast. to thank you so much for coming on with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you having me, man. It's been it's been a phenomenal experience. Um if you ever want to talk again, just hit me up. Let me know. Oh hell Let yeah, we're doing. Check out. Hell yeah, we're check doing out the channel. Yeah. Where can people check find out the you? Channel, uh, at the Heavy Wrench on YouTube, and the Heavy Wrench on Instagram. At the Heavy Wrench on Instagram, both, all one word. Um, check out the content. Drop me a line. Whatever you want. Um, I try to answer as many comments as humanly possible. Um, and I am out to look to network and help the industry. So reach out to some people. He is he's an awesome guy, and definitely follow him because his his channel is really cool. His both his YouTube channel and his Instagram is are both really cool, and I love following him. He's got to post more stuff on Instagram though, so harass. I do, I do, I do. I got to start posting more pictures. I got to make that a goal. That should be your goal. That's got to be a new goal. So. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I hope you have a wonderful night, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today, and thank you to Phil for coming on. Please do me a favor. Go check out at uh, the Heavy Wrench on Instagram. Um, send him a message and tell him to start posting more often over there. Also, you can follow him on YouTube, um, Facebook, and everywhere else where you can find social interaction online. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.